Hello and welcome to Getting Real with the Fictitious Dishes, the podcast where a band gives you advice. I'm Liz, I play guitar in the Fictitious Dishes. Today I'm joined very excitingly by our drummer Maggie. Hello. Uh, Maggie's here. It's very exciting. But unfortunately, Jackie, the bass player and the breakout star of our first three episodes, is not, which is a bummer. Um, we also have our lead singer. Taryn. <laughs> Hello. And very special guests, uh, Lay Saboteur. You guys can go around and individually introduce yourselves if you'd like. Great. Uh, I am Michelle. I am the lead vocalist and guitarist of Lay Saboteur. And I'm also in a band called Flaunt here in San Diego, which is... Uh, a little bit heavier, and uh, I'll move this on to Uriel, who also has two bands. Hey, I'm Uriel. I play drums for Les Avatar. I also play drums in Nash Williams. All I ever want to do is play drums. Thank you. Hi, I'm Kyle Bob. Uh, I play bass in Les Avatar. I play bass and sing in Christ Killer. Awesome. We can't wait to get the advice that you guys have to share. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, you guys are on because we are going to be playing a show together. We actually have band news to announce. Is it, uh, is it October 20th? It is. October 20th at the Ken Club, correct? Yes. Yeah. I'm not so good with dates. All right. Let's also talk about some of the other bands playing the show. Just to, (laughs) just to sweeten the deal. The Fictitious Dishes, Le Saboteur, Local Ladies, Masteria, and Wicked Echoes. And the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Yeah, and the Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl called me. Yeah, he said he would be there. Cool. It's on his Google Calendar. But they're they're gonna be there, so they're gonna be there, so be nice to them. Uh, I just wanna say good job on the first episodes. Sorry I wasn't there. I was in anxiety paralysis, which I'm sure well I'm not, I'm not sure, but I assume people can relate to that. That's a thing that happens to other people, not just me, where you uh, cannot leave your house for periods of time. So mm-hmm. I made it today and uh, good job. I laughed heartily. In the first three episodes, so great, good job. She's Thanks, also Maggie. Moving right now, she's not paralyzed at all. <laughs> That's right. She's super fluid right now. Thanks for being open and honest about your mental health struggles, yes. Maggie. Awareness, awareness, awareness is key. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, uh, this podcast we give advice to people, and uh, we would love if you listeners would write to us with your advice. Uh, you can find us at thefictitiousdishes at gmail dot com. Fictitious is a weird word. Don't forget the tit. F-I-C-T-I-T-I-O-U-S. That's how you spell it. TheFictitiousDishes at gmail.com. We got a couple questions, though. We did get a question come in from Facebook. um, And then we're going to do our our old standby of reading some fun questions off Reddit. (laughs) Um, uh, But we're going to start with our lovely guests with a Facebook post related to advice that Michelle put up, uh, what, like a couple weeks ago or something. And uh, we're going to read it and we're going to talk about it because it was controversial. Okay. <clears throat> Do you want to read it, or should I read it? You can read it. Okay. All right. This is, uh, this is Michelle's post on Facebook from September 12th. My advice to young people in bands is, go to school and study something other than music before you spend a decade or more wrecking your brain on drugs and alcohol and believing there's a way to be a real touring musician that people care about. School is way harder when your brain is tired and not used to analytical thinking. Believing that musical success is attributed to talent is naive nowadays because it's much more about who you know. Networking, however, is also a waste of time because as soon as you know the right people within a circle, that genre is going to be out of style. Beyond that, just eat your veggies and be nice to your sound guy. Also, don't listen to bitter, washed-up deadbeats like me. Optimism has a lifespan. Enjoy it while you can. All right, so Michelle, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, kind of where your headspace was when you wrote that and then the reaction that it got. Yeah, um, so I suppose this is some sort of uh, middle-aged uh, <laughs> response to uh, everybody kind of blowing smoke at my ass my whole life and, and being like, oh yeah, just keep doing the thing that you're doing, you know, it'll pay off eventually, and, you know, not really knowing whether those people actually believed in me musically or not, or whether they were just saying it to be nice. And I think that there's a lot of that floating around, and I think that there's a lack of people being real to young musicians about um, the the climate of what's happening right now. So that was sort of my response, but at the end, I sort of said, well, you know, my opinion opinion doesn't quite matter either, so just do your thing anyways. Um, But it is, yeah, it's coming from a place of of kind of feeling duped um, because of people's uh, false faith in me or an idea that for some reason that everything was just going to work out and I didn't have to uh, do anything, that it was just going to be bestowed upon me somehow, magically. 
and uh, and what was what were some of the reactions you got? So, I got a lot. I got a lot of reactions. I think there are probably over a hundred uh, comments on that thread, and some people, uh, you know, said what what's wrong with uh, going to school for music. Um, you know, there really isn't anything wrong with going to school for music, uh, but I, what I was saying was more, don't uh, hang out in bars expecting things to turn out the way that you want when you're in a rock band or something like that. Um, and going to school for music is going to program you in a way um, that uh, makes you marketable, but not necessarily as cathartic for your soul. Um, other responses were just kind of very knee-jerk. Um, I, don't, I don't know. There were so many. It's, there were yeah. a lot of people who basically were saying, like, um, well, even if we did go the school route, like, you know, we wish we had not. You know, we wish we had just done music. And um, so that was, I read a lot of that. There were a lot of people who were just basically like, oh, well, I have the opposite experience of yeah. you. Yeah. That was actually one of those comments was Kyle Bob right yeah. there. <laughs> so, so talk you can about talk a little bit yeah. about that. Okay, well, I was always just kind of casually in bands and, you know, went to school full, t you know, and got an engineering degree and worked as an engineer and, and never really, like, took any time in my 20s to really, like, go crazy and, like, actually try at all to make it. And I just, like, I just went on my first tour uh, in August, and I just got home from that just thinking, like, why the fuck wasn't I doing this the whole time? You know, why wasn't I just, like, instead of 100% at my job, do, like, 75% of my job and 25% music or something like that instead of, like, 90% job... 10% music. And I feel like you're, you were kind of the opposite way. You were the 90% music, 10% job. Yeah, I, I was in several bands that toured pretty frequently. But at the same time, I was, um, I was having to quit jobs in order to go on tour, and then I'd come back and get another shitty job uh, <laughs> that, that I didn't care about in between tours. That was basically my, my mode of operation, which got me so far in life. <laughs> Taryn, you said that you had a lot of thoughts on this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you share them. I'm probably closer to Kyle Bob's experience, where um, I focused on school, but I did take some time off in the beginning. Like when I went to, uh, I, I went from high school to community college because I knew I didn't have like the wherewithal for sleepaway college. Yeah, same. Me too. <clears throat> um, but I also went on tour when I was younger, and I came back from it with kind of opposite feeling of you is like, I do not want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, what a fucking shit show. It was fun, but I, I, I just didn't enjoy it. And that could have been because of the people that I was with. There was a lot of different factors. And also, everybody has a different relationship with the reasons that they play music. And so mine weren't quite settled then. Um, and I were, a lot of what Michelle said that really struck a chord with me was people blowing smoke up your ass saying like, if you can dream it, you can do it, which is fucking bullshit. Like, or if you can dream it, you can do it, but you might not get the opportunity to like, I can dream of myself doing lots of things that I will never have the opportunity to do because of one thing or another. And like, I feel very thankful that I was able to, for whatever reason, teenager Taryn was like, have a plan B, like go to school while you're doing this. And I also never had any, like, delusions of grandeur where, like, I'll be a professional musician someday. Like, I never, ever wanted to do that. It was like, I'm going to do something fun that's good for me, that, like, tests my boundaries. And I'm still doing it now. I've got a full-time job, like, a grown-up life, and we're playing in a band and doing a podcast. So what, man? Like, tell me if that's not success. <laughs> but, like, the whole blowing smoke really hit it for me, like... Absolutely. All those high school counselors are full of shit. Like, you need to really think long and hard about how the world operates before you decide to, like, blow your youth on hanging out in bars and having, like, a shit job after a shit job. Like, and not to say that that's a bad thing to do, but sometimes you need, like, a good trusted friend to, like, tell you, like, you need a cutoff point. Like, once you hit a certain point, like, you've got to start getting real. Yeah, well, I think it got extra bad when I was... Uh in high school because when I was 18 I went to Carnegie Hall and I sang with a vocal jazz ensemble and so all of these people in this small town that I was from were really impressed with this um, 
with this idea of of where I was where was I gonna go from there you know where was I gonna go I was gonna be on Broadway or I was gonna do this or that and what I did uh, is I, I said screw this town and I moved to Seattle and I formed a rock band that did a lot of psychedelics together <laughs> so that was the reality of the situation there was no Broadway there was no jazz left in me um, that was just the opportunity that I had when I was in this small town I can relate a lot to that, also being from a small town, and I did community theater, and I don't want to brag, but I did get a pretty amazing review for playing Anne in Anne of Green Gables, and I was a bit of a hometown celebrity for a minute. I'm, like, really impressed. I love Anne of Green Gables. Yeah, and so, like, people would come up to me in the grocery store and be like, oh, my God, are you going to, like, go be an actress and all this stuff? And um, I never, ever wanted to do that whatsoever. That, that was a thing for me to do in my hometown where there was literally nothing else to do. And then, and then I also moved to Seattle and started a rock band. Not so much with the psychedelics, but um, uh, it, yeah, again, it was, it, I got a lot of smoke blown up my ass as well about like, oh, you can go be. You can say ass, by the way. Yeah, I, I'm like, this isn't really the radio. I can actually swear. <laughs> Acting. Like, no, not going to go, like, move to Hollywood and try to be an actor because I was great in a community theater play when I was 16. Yeah. Right. I, I think there's a... I think that people definitely have a problem in this society of telling kids that they can be anything that they want to be, and a kid will turn around and say, well, I want to be a unicorn that lives on the moon. And people will go, oh, great, yeah, you can do that. You can do anything you want. And then they grow up and they realize that that's not possible, and that's that's an extreme uh, example of this. But I think that we need to stop uh, duping our youth into believing that there's uh, this this magical thing that's going to save them from any sort of like real responsibility or hard work. Yeah, I think I mean that's something I think you know. Looking around the room, we're all like roughly under 40 I think maybe <laughs> like we all grew we all grew up with yeah I, we all grew up though with the kind of like high self-esteem like yeah like do what you want to do and I I don't think it's necessarily all bad like I've actually thought a lot of this during the um after the Parkland Florida shooting when like all those kids were like getting up and talking and stuff and like I was like you know that's like that's kind of the result of this like self-esteem culture like they feel like they could change the world and they're like I don't know if they're doing it but they're trying and uh so that's like the positive side, but yeah, I think what gets left out of the like you can you know live your dream is like the work part of it, and like yeah, the having a plan and yeah, and and but I don't know, and then there's the part that like no one ever tells you, which is how much of it is like connections and like getting to know the right people and networking, which is stuff that I'm absolutely horrible at, and that like is like I think the hardest part, and that like no one teaches you and no one frankly tells you about until <laughs> until you're like 35. <laughs> important especially in the realm of music to remember that there are a lot of kick-ass musicians out there who are never going to get that big record deal or whatever it is that they define that kind of like success by there's a lot of kick-ass guitar players that are just going to like be rad and mm -hmm. that's that's going to be the end of the road so like I have friends I know who are way better guitar players than I am, and they're not even in bands. Like, I'm at Losers. least in a... Well, no, but, like, I mean, like, I'm in a band. I'm a pretty mediocre guitar player, but I am getting up and playing. It's like... I'm just talking to your point about, like, how many good musicians there are out there, what the competition is like. It's like, there are people who are so good at this stuff and just play it at their house, you know, and it's just, like, for fun, you know? It's like, the competition is steep. The, the odds are against you, so, like, I would really just say, if you're gonna do it, do it because you enjoy it, really manage your expectations because mm -hmm. it's highly likely that this shit isn't going to pan out for you. But that doesn't mean don't form a band, don't go on tour, like do all those things, but like don't expect the millions to roll in even after doing it a couple of times because it's just it's just so unlikely to or happen. to or to get discovered. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like I'm going to go down to the open mic and I'm going to get discovered. There's going to be a, a record executive yeah. there yeah. and they're going to pick me up and then I'm going to move to Hollywood like there that mindset exists. It's, yeah, it's that, like, Hollywood, like, behind the music, very simplified version of how people make it, that they just, yeah, they were just in a coffee shop, and the, and the, David Geffen walked in, and, you know, it's like, that's just, yeah. You, I want you. <laughs> Uriel, chime in. I feel like I'm in between both of them. 
because um, both Michelle and, and Kyle, Kyle Bob. Yeah, you're literally in between them the well, way you're I'm sitting. Physically and like <laughs> in relation in relationship to music and careers because it's uh, our relationship. Furial in the middle. Yeah. But uh, basically, how Michelle's talking about how she invested a lot of time in like music instead, like instead of like school or career, then Kyle doing the complete opposite. I feel like I did something around the middle where, um, in the um, growing up, I didn't have the expectation to do music. I didn't actually start playing drums till I was like twenty. Hmm. Um, my first show was like twenty-one. You know, um, I, th- I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I didn't think music as myself. I didn't think musician being a musician would be something I would do at all. I literally grew up being a brown kid that's like, I'm going to work at Rubio's and install carpet my whole life. So my expectations were really low. So the idea of being a musician was not a thing. Um, so it wasn't until like I was 20. Like I knew I wanted to do it as a teenager, but I had no access to like music spots or I didn't know anybody. Mm. Um, so I feel like a lot of that kept my reality in check, my mindset. And it was, and then I had I had not done school in a while. So now I'm, in, I'm 26 now. So I'm in my mid-20s balancing two bands in a job in school you know and um honestly as overwhelming as it can be i like it because i like being like right now like i i'm at i'm finishing papers while i'm doing this and i get to go to a show tomorrow and um personally i feel like there's just you got to find a balance to be able to do everything and um yeah i feel like i've just been in the middle and the three things i've noticed is i feel like give advice to people if that's what we're doing you came to the right place. Yeah. Uh, watch the language that is being used in, when discussing these things. Because obviously a lot of the issues is people saying, like, you got this, you can do this. Other than saying that, say something more realistic. Mm-hmm. Which could keep people's heads out of the clouds and be more realistic. Mm-hmm. And things like that. So I feel like it's the use of language and making sure people keep their heads out of the clouds. And overall having just a set goal. You know, like your own definition of success. Because for me, like, being in a band, I get to do it to relieve my stress. I love hanging out with these guys, getting to play shows on my free time. Like, people ask, how long are you going to play music? And for me, it's like, as long as I'm not going broke and as long as I'm still having fun. That's my definition of the success, at least. Solid That's good advice. That was the premiere of Les Saboteurs song, Smiling Politely. Uh, thank you guys for providing that. And now uh, Taryn is going to lean into the microphone and read our next question. Yes, I am. I found this on Reddit and I couldn't stop thinking about it. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, title is Stepmother and Tortoise. My stepmother owns a tortoise. It's as small as a tennis ball and my stepmom has had very few to no animals in the past, so every time she would hold the tortoise in her hand and talk to it like it could understand, and she thinks it's happy when seeing her. She thinks it shows emotions. I talked to her, but all I got is a no, I am right. So it's unclear exactly what this kid's question is, Um, but thoughts, thoughts on stepmom versus tortoise. That tortoise definitely has emotions. This kid is wrong. (laughs) Next question. I, I truly want to know, like, what's what's your problem with your mom and the tortoise? Like, can't your mom love the tortoise and talk to the tortoise? Like, why do you got to get involved? What do you got? You got some issues? Did your mom not spend enough time with you? And now you're you're feeling jealous of this other sibling and or tortoise? It no, seems a bit... stepmom. So there's definitely some tension. So there's there. some tension anyway. I, yeah, I I wonder the same thing. Like, why do you care? Even if you think it's weird, who cares? She's happy. Like, if my mom was talking to a pet rock and it made her happy, I would just be like, "Hey, yo, that's cool." Like, but would enjoy. would teenage you think that? I mean, teenage me, basically anything my mother did was like the worst thing anyone could do. So I feel like if this were me in this situation, I would be flabbergasted that my mom slash stepmom was talking to a tortoise and pretending like it had emotions and I would be complaining about it too because at that age everything they do is like the stupidest thing ever yeah but I like 
Remember when we played that backyard party with the tortoise? And, like, mm-hmm. that thing had a legit personality. It was, like, snapping at ankles. It was pissed off because people It was kept snacking. Picking, yeah, it was snacking. People kept picking him up, and he got mad. Like, let's not underestimate. Just because they're stony on the outside, they might be soft and emotional creatures on the inside. Also, depending on how young the tortoise w- was when she acquired the tortoise, it could have actually imprinted on her and might believe that she is its mother. Stepmother. Stepmother. <laughs> <laughs> a very valid point. Mm-hmm. Ariel, your thoughts. Um, I grew up with a mom that like told me about La Llorona, so like there's people that are gonna come grab me, you know, a bunch of like folk tales and like every pet we've had, she's always pretended like she's talked to it. Like, so hold on, what's a, what's a Llorona? Oh, like, just come on. I'm sorry, I'm not from here. She's like, not a San Diego native. <laughs> It's basically a uh, Latino boogeyman. Uh, okay. It's a woman that's going to go kidnap the kids that are bad. Oh, okay. Basic. So basically, growing up with all these like stories, um, the idea of my mom talking to animals would not surprise me. And she did do that growing up. Like, every dog, we have a little chihuahua named Princess. Of course. Uh, yeah, cliche. <laughs> you know, Chiweenie named Princess. She's, she's like 14 now. But ever since I was a kid, even the dogs before, she's like, oh... Um, princess told me that you went and did this, and I was like, oh. princess, princess is a snitch. She was a snitch. Yeah. And this was ever since I was in elementary school. So if my mom, I know my mom's had like a tortoise, rabbits, dogs, cats, and they're all snitches. So animals are informers. I would say in your, in your fuck mind. this turtle <laughs> or tortoise because he's gonna rat on this kid. This kid's doing things he shouldn't be doing. So this is where this is what stemming this is what stemming from is this. Uh, he's afraid of maybe that's it. He's trying Finish to cover something yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it, I feel like it depends on what this tortoise is saying. Like kid, just just let your mom do her thing. Let her love the tortoise. This came from Reddit, and most of the ones from Reddit, you can kind of tell the people are pretty young. And so, yeah, to Maggie's point, I was the exact same. I mean, just my mom could not do anything right when I was a teenager. And so, yeah, like, just learn to just live and let live, kid. You know what? Yeah. As long as she's not, like, giving this tortoise her social security number, which even if she is, what's the tortoise going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Where did his loyalties lie? Yeah. Well, then someone hacks the tortoise. Yeah, yeah. That was the next logical, like, concern here. What if it's one of those things where she's spending, like, all their life savings and their 401k talking to psychics trying to communicate with the tortoise? That would be a separate issue. Yeah, and that would be a separate issue. There's animal psychics. It's also worth noting that when I went back to actually get this question, it was deleted off of Reddit, and I had to get a cached Google version. So whoever this kid is, he got properly shamed by those The turtle probably ratted him out. Yeah, he's probably sleeping with the fishes right now. All right, we are. We're having such a good time here, guys. I hope this is translating over the airwaves. Speaking of airwaves, I meant to say this at the top. You can get this podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Can you send us a link? I can send you links. On the internet, right? Yep. Not airwaves. No, it's not really airwaves. Unless that's you have Wi-Fi. an antiquated term. Yeah, I, well, that's right. But Wi-Fi, if you're streaming, yeah, that's yeah. kind of airwaves. Anyway, yeah, so you can get us anywhere, and uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. I know that's annoying and dumb, but it actually helps uh, if you give us five stars. It has to be five. I've learned this. Don't get, don't give us four. I know we're not like perfect. I know we don't deserve five stars, <laughs> but you gotta give us five. We'll do and, anything uh... <laughs> for five stars. <laughs> All right, let's get back. Let's get back to the advice. Uh, this one is the one that we actually got on Facebook, although you can send them to thefictitiousdishes at gmail.com uh, or Facebook, whatever. But uh, our good friend Thomas asked us this via Facebook. He said, dating within the band, good in a Fleetwood Mac kind of way or bad in a Fleetwood Mac kind of way? So we thought this was especially good for our guests because two of our guests are in a couple. It's me and Kyle. <laughs> I just realized they can't see who my hand is right now. <laughs> Kyle's 
Kyle lovingly stroked Uriel's leg just then, but <laughs> you can't see it. I'm just going to step in here and say, never in a Fleetwood Mac way. <laughs> <laughs> you can go your own way. You can go your own way. Yeah, go your own way. You don't, you don't have to do it the Fleetwood Mac way. There are bad ways and good ways of being in a relationship in a band. But so, yeah, so Michelle and Kyle, Bob, you guys are in a relationship. How's it working out? Tight. Thanks you for asking. <laughs> Great. Specifically, Next how question. does it function with the band? We don't need to know the details of your... Who's the boss in the band? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Michelle's in charge of the band. Michelle's I'm in charge band. of the relationship. <laughs> Just as Christ intended. <laughs> Under his eye. <laughs> um, so... As, as far as band, I, I've experienced this before. I was in another band uh, with somebody that I was dating, and, and it worked out very terribly, um, where, you know, we just weren't on the same page. Um, we tried to be in a band together. Uh, we were about to open for Pansy Division at Soda Bar, and then he dumped me, and uh, his friends were the other guys that we got to be in the band. And so they were. he said, I, I don't want to... Uh, do the band, I don't want to do the show, and I tried, I begged and pleaded to just play the one show, and they, uh, they said no. So, uh, it really screwed me in the end. And I said, I'm never going to do this again, I'm never going to be in a band with somebody that I'm dating. Um, Cue the next boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Who's actually my fiancé, so Kyle. I didn't know that, congrats. So technically, you're not in a band with someone you're dating now. Correct. Uh, but but we did start the band uh, when we were dating. Yeah. But uh, I, I feel like this sounds really cliche, but I think that if you really click with the person and you're actually in love, that it can, that it can work. Um, I think that trying to force something, uh, trying to make a relationship that's inherently flawed better by being creative together isn't necessarily the answer. Could you tell that there was something different this time around than the last time around that made you uh, willing to go for it <laughs> in terms of being in a band together? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, I think that uh, Kyle, Bob, and I have always kind of seen eye to eye as far as uh, music goes and the spirit of music. Um, in separate cities at the same time, uh, we were both prancing around as front men in American flag uh, <laughs> bathing suits. Elaborate uh, on that. So Put a pin in that. So I was in a band called Negative Hole, and I used to wear this American flag bikini and run around and scream into a microphone and pour beard down my face. Uh, and Kyle Bob here in San Diego at the same time was in a band called Midnight Eagle where he had an American flag speedo and he was running around and screaming and uh, pouring beer in his face. So we had almost the exact same stage persona in separate cities. That's meant to be. At the same time. That's that's serendipity right there. (laughs) Maybe we're a bad example for other couples that want to be in music. If you want to be in, if you want to start a band with uh, your significant other, like make sure that you've been in pretty much the same band for 10 years <laughs> prior to meeting each other, and then it'll work out. Mm-hmm. Maggie, you have some experience with this. Uh, well, first, let's go to Uriel, the third wheel. Oh, yeah. Let's oh, that's right. Wheel. What's yeah. your perspective? What's Give us the dirty truth. Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly, I've always felt that being in a band was like being in a relationship. Like, the first band I'm, I've been in is Ash Williams, and... I feel like it's the same thing. Like, um, you know, you get to know each other so well and you get to see how each other work and their work ethics, the way they experience music and getting to know each other through a deeper level, through music, it's almost like a relationship. And with this one, though, it, it is, there is, there are times where, like, you're kind of like, oh, shit, like, something happened before y'all showed up. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but I feel like, you, um, but I feel like you just gotta, it's, it's, I feel like it's the same way how I view work and everything. It's just like, the moment you walk into the practice space, that shit gets out of it. Like, that's, like, in my mindset, that goes away. You know, I could have, uh, I, I could be having a crappy day, but the moment I go to work, I, I go to work and don't bring that in there. And I feel like that's the same idea I have it for the band. You know, it's just, but things happen. Checking a baggage at the door. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, it's, it has not really been an issue at all. Like, not that I remember at least. Yeah. I think um, I wish we could we could call our previous drummer Mike and get his opinion on being in a band. Do you want to try? Michelle and I. 
Is that is that why is that why he's your previous drummer? Do you think? (laughs) So actually, Mike is the reason why this band started. So we should give him credit for that. (laughs) Um, He um, he really was a big Christ Killer fan and wanted to jam with Kyle Bob really bad. And uh, they were jamming in Kyle Bob's garage. And one day they just got me in there to play guitar. I was playing some kind of. just kind of standard uh, three chord punk songs that were very lackluster and nobody was having that much fun. And then I said, well, I have these weird things that I wrote in my bedroom and they probably should never leave my bedroom, but check them out. And he was the one who initially was like, wow, these are really good. Like, let's do this. Let's work on this. And he helped, uh, he helped uh, put the songs together in a, in a way where we were kind of looking at it more objectively. And so I definitely want to give him props for that. However, uh, he I, he definitely felt he felt that third wheel uh, element more so than somebody like Uriel, who was already previously a friend of ours. And did he have a pet tortoise? <laughs> maybe whispering. I whispering think that maybe in, his ear? in this scenario, I think maybe I was the tortoise. You are the tortoise. <laughs> yeah. Wow, there's a really little tortoise in all of us. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, it it takes a special kind of person to be in a band with a couple. Um, you know, um, and it also takes a special kind of person to date a band member. So it just has to fall into place. So I've been both the third wheel and the couple in the band. Uh, the first time around was when Adam, who's now my husband, and I, we weren't that far into our relationship and I was already in a band and the bass player left so he started playing bass and neither of us were the boss of the band. There was another person who was the boss of the band, and if you know Adam at all, you can imagine how that went. It just didn't really didn't really work because Adam wanted to have creative input, and he just really wasn't allowed to. And then they emailed me to say they were kicking Adam out of the band. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> peace out, guys. Wait, they emailed you, not Adam? Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. That was a zombie surf camp. They are still around. That's a special level of... Yeah. That is a special level of passive aggression, though. Like, emailing the girlfriend to tell her that the other boyfriend is kicked out. He he, he was trying to be like, (laughs) I don't know. Your girl's going to email Michelle and kick (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the guy, that guy, Greg, he's in that band that we played with in Oceanside, that, um, that surf band. I forget what they're called now. They were really um, nice guys. Yeah. You know, in the dwells? Yeah, I was going to say it's sort yeah. of the D, the yeah. dwells. So, so, you know, water under the bridge. He and I are friendly now. No big deal. That was like yeah. 13 years ago. Yeah, that's so, a long time. People can change in 13 years. Yeah. You know, you grow up a lot. So, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the problem, I think, in that situation was just the overall dynamic um, of the band, and it got awkward for everybody. And then flash forward to Revenge Club. Um, oh, yeah. Married couple in yeah. the band. You were in Revenge Club? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Um, so, uh, uh, Sean actually proposed to Amy on stage. Oh. Did you guys know that? I did not know yeah. that. Well, I wasn't in the band at the time, but, um, it was before I joined, but. Amy, by the way, was the original drummer of the Fictitious Dishes. Yeah. Just it's to, all related. just to, yeah, just to make this even more entangled. So, so yeah, I mean, they may listen to this episode, but, um, you know, there was obviously sometimes, like you're all saying, where we'd all get in the practice space and you could kind of pick up on a vibe of like, oh, you know, there was something, something went down. So, you know, sometimes you can kind of feel that, and then typically Amy was band boss, and she was kind of creative director, and then, you know, Sean, you know, not really different from any band, there could be some level of, not, I wouldn't call it conflict, but tension over creative direction. Um, And, you know, couples just have a different way of communicating that, right, than, like, we would um, when we're, you know, debating over the direction of a song, so... Um, but, you know, I mean, we were all, we were in that band for a long time together, so you kind of, kind of get used to it. And then after that, after Adam and I were married, we, we started At Fault, which was a band, and the other people in the band were also a married couple. Who had been in, yeah, Taylor and Dickie, so they had been in bands together for years, too. Yeah. So it was like some poly shit. Yeah. They're definitely getting into Fleetwood Mac. They're definitely getting into Fleetwood Mac territory. And at that point, we were, like, older. Like, I went into it fully being, like, Adam's going to be band boss, and I'm cool with that, and I'm just along for the ride, and I'm not going to have opinions, because I knew that was the only way it was going to work. An expression that everybody has used so far is band boss. Mm -hmm. And that seems like... I was thinking about that, too. ...important 
in terms of like, because I've, ha- I've had this thought as well, where like, if it's a band with a, a significant other or not, it's always important to have a band boss. And like, if I were in a band with a significant other, I would really want those lines to be drawn in the sand of like, all right, this is your creative project. I'm gonna like default to you. Like, I'll still voice my opinion, but this is your baby. So mm-hmm. we're gonna do it your way. And then if I wanna have a band and be the band boss, then it's my baby, and you can voice your opinion. But if you're in for if you're in for the long haul, then I ultimately have like mm-hmm. creative control. And I think that's the key. Like, if this the advice portion of this segment is if you're gonna do this, like I think having those like clear who's sort of in the driver's seat creatively yeah. is helpful. And then otherwise, bonus relationship skills like being good communicators and all of that. So. I disagree. I think it's super. Uh, I think it's super important to share custody of the band. Uh, I, I think that especially when you're dating somebody in a band, it's important to um, to give them creative control over what's happening. And I think that a lot of the songs that that we started writing as a band in the beginning were songs that I had already written, and and we sort of shaped them around the way that the band was going to sound. Um, but now, like, our most recent song was written by Kyle Bob, and uh, the chorus was written by Kyle Bob lyrically and everything. So I think that it's, it's important to make sure that, that it's not uh, this kind of hierarchical system. I think that it's Im- important to, to utilize the, uh, the ebb and flow of the creative process with all the members if they want to be involved with that. So maybe it's important to define band boss in terms of your own group, because I'd say in the dishes... I'm the primary you're, band You're the band boss. boss, yeah. I'm the band boss. But that's really only because I write most of the songs. At our practice last night, Liz, you showed up to practice and you said, Taryn, here is what I would like for you to play. Something like this. I want it to be like this. I want you to play here, here, and here, and then anything else in between, you can do what you want. <laughs> you were the band boss. Uh, yeah, a little bit. But it was one of those things where, like... That's also a song that you were not involved in the writing of. Weirdly. And let's well, not forget that I'm really the boss. Maddie's the true boss. <laughs> that's true. Because you guys have boss. to do what I'm doing is I'm the only one that's counting. Yeah. yeah. You count when you play drums. I, I was just talking about this last night. Yeah. This is the only band that I've had to do that for because otherwise no one knows where any of the changes are. We're a jazz band, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I guess what I was trying to say was that it's important to have, in being the band boss, there's like a level of responsibility. So like the song that we were working on last night was a song that Liz wrote that we had been working on. And she we was like, together, actually. Mm-hmm. Not important. It is important. I wrote a lot of that. Yes. I contributed heavily to the arrangement. It's also worth noting. It was a real group effort. Yeah. It's a song, <laughs> it's a, it's a song called Call the Claws, and you'll hear it eventually. <laughs> we might play it at the Ken Club. October 20th at the Ken Club. Yeah, Us, Lace Abitur, and a bunch of others. Masteria, Wicked Echoes, Ken Club. You should come. Sorry, finish your thought. This is going to get edited. This is... This part no, sucks. Leave it in. <laughs> I feel like I've never been band boss, but I've always been band dad, which is the <laughs> worst. Same. Uh-huh. Where like you got like you're like okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy some shirts. We're gonna sell them. I'm gonna get art for them. Like hey, someone wanna uh, like book a show or something like that? And then no one books a show, and you're like okay, I'll book a show. Oh, I'm that's band dad. your band boss. That's band boss. That's I was band gonna say dad. that's what I call band boss, that's and that's why because Taryn handles yeah. most yeah, of that like, for us. Yeah, like I feel like with like. Uh, with the other band I'm in, actually, I was like, uh, Patrick, he handles a lot of the booking, a lot of all this stuff, but I feel like my role is to make sure shit actually happens when we're on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm very much like, all right, we gotta be here at a certain time, mm-hmm. we gotta try to sell shirts, we gotta, don't forget to say this, you know, do things like that. Like, I feel like that's my role, is mm-hmm. helping, I don't know, Michael says I'm just like the dude that keeps everything together. Tour manager. Maybe we need to explore these different band roles, because, like Michelle was saying, a division of labor is ideal, right? Like, no one person should be in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. As in a band, as in a relationship. Ideally, mm-hmm. yes, but I find that musicians are uh, total pieces of shit. <laughs> um, and that, are, that don't do I the feel things attacked. that are required <laughs> to be in a band. He's and not talking about you, Kyle Town. We love you. I'm Always. talking about everybody who I've ever been in a band with, friends company included. <laughs>
Um, thank you guys so much for coming on our podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Any final thoughts? Yeah, let's plug, let's plug Metal Yoga. Plug October, Metal Yoga. October 27th at Societe in Claremont. Uh, it'll be probably the last Metal Yoga of the year, so if you need your fix, come to Metal Yoga and then go to the Metal Swap Meet afterward. Hmm. It'll be a good day. Start it off, start it off right. Some yoga, then some metal swapping. Do the people know what they get with their tickets? Well, for metal yoga, you show up and you can pay, well, you'll pay $15 (laughs) and you get an hour of yoga and a beer afterward. What a deal. So yeah, if you're interested in that, it's um it's on Facebook at San Diego Metal Yoga and also uh, Instagram at yep. San Diego Metal Yoga. So look those up. And yeah, like she said, October 27th at Society. In what time? It's Society. in the Society. It's at 10:30 in the morning. Yeah, that's Ooh, a morning that's one. That's not metal. Um, but we will be playing with these lovely folks at the Ken on October 20th at it's the nine. Ken Club, so probably nine. Nine. Yeah. Um, and we would love to see you guys. All right, thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember to rate, review, subscribe, and send us your own questions at thefictitiousdishes at gmail.com. Bye. 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 Can we quickly address how the Brits pronounce tortoise? Yes. Um, they pronounce it tortoise, which... <laughs> Fucking confused me. I, I had to really practice saying it the first time my husband said tortoise. He's like, what? What? It sounds like a speech impediment. Tortoise. Well, there's an I in there. Well, that, it does have the word oi <laughs> in it. Yeah, so you don't want to miss that. Punk rock turtle. So, yeah, punk rock turtle. <laughs>